0: Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast. This week's theme is those who stand for nothing will fall for anything, featuring Van Jones. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. I appreciate the support, but do me a favor, read the column every Thursday, New York Post, Renaissance Man. Download, subscribe, anywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Check us out each week, and then make sure you leave a comment and a five-star rating. Thanks for the love. This week's theme is those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. And I had my moment. Double-breasted suit, ABC, NBA playoffs, social unrest was happening in our country. George Floyd was tragically murdered in police custody after having a knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Breonna Taylor was killed in a spray of bullets as police conducted a no-knock warrant for the wrong person at the wrong address because the person that they had a warrant for was just picked up a couple of hours earlier on the other side of town. And being a multimedia personality, a former NBA player, founder of a charter high school, like so many in our country, it just made me feel uneasy. People were protesting in the streets, looting. NBA players decided, led by the Milwaukee Bucks, that they would not play a basketball game because they wanted to make sure the legislators in Wisconsin heard what they had to say after there was another death in their community of police killing an unarmed black person. And so while you're working in corporate America and you're happy to be suited and booted, I was watching the game and I was so proud that While the NBA was playing in a bubble and making all of the sacrifices that we need to make. I just recall being so proud that the NBA worked with its Players Association to put 29 different messages on the back of players' jerseys. And a really important message out on the floor. That message said, Black Lives Matter. And when you're an athlete and or a black man, sometimes because in theory, based on slavery, we were kind of brought here to either be labor or entertainment. So many times when you start to think and or talk about your life rights, people that you've entertained for so very long, mainstream America, your customers, your fans, want to dismiss your personal life and your personal feelings and tell you things like, shut up and dribble. And as one of the players did a layup and ran back on D, I noticed the message on the back of his jersey. Yes, that was a great move to the basket, and I'm glad that he scored two points. When I got an opportunity to speak about the player's highlight and Maria Taylor asked me, wasn't that a great time for him to get that bucket? I said, actually, it'd be a great time to arrest the officers that murdered Breonna Taylor. And when you do that, there are going to be people that appreciate that sentiment. They're going to be people that want to muzzle and or deny the exact same thing. But I channeled my inner late, great John Lewis, and I was willing to get into some good trouble. And unfortunately, their lives were taken from them. Prayers to their family, their support group, and their loved ones. But since they were not here to speak for themselves, I felt that was my mission to do it for them. Even in that moment of passion, I could have actually lost my livelihood. But you know what? It felt better to stand for something rather than fall for anything. My next guest has made a career of speaking up for other people. Please welcome my very special guest, Van Jones. Welcome to this week's Renaissance Man podcast proudly presented by the New York Post. And I'm not going to lie. This gentleman represents one of my favorite voices in the game. Just like myself, and I think we're around the same age. I'm 47 years old. I've watched him do 30-second hits. I've watched him do 60-second hits. And I've watched this gentleman have his own show. Welcome to the podcast, Van Jones, and thank you very much for your voice.
1: Hey, man, I'm, I'm glad to be here and, uh, you know, you, you got to be able to do it all. You know, some, sometimes you only got five seconds right at the end. You got you to hit, got to be Steph Curry. And
0: so in doing these podcasts, I also write a column. And it's a very important for me to give an intellectual value to the person that I'm interviewing. And for you, I decided that this week's podcast will be stand for nothing and fall for anything. Pretty sure you've heard that quote before. (laughs) So in your fight for activism, what made you decide that you were going to fight for the freedom and the opportunity of others beyond yourself?
1: Well, I I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk about that. You know, I think a lot of people see me as like a a, a commentator on CNN. They think I was kind of like born at CNN. You know, that was the first time they ever saw me. My mom just squeezed me out there and I'm, hello, (laughs) you know. Um, They, you know, I don't get a chance to talk enough about the fact that I was born in 68. I got you beat, man, I'm 52. Mm. Um, And so I was born the year they killed Dr. King. Uh, That was the year they killed Bobby Kennedy. That was the year they beat up a whole bunch of young people who were marching for peace in Chicago. Um, They were trying to kill hope in America the year I was born. And my dad was born in 44 in Orange Mound, Memphis. At that time, the biggest black ghetto in the South. Mm. I grew up in what you would now call a shotgun shack. My dad joined the military to get out of poverty. Everybody else was trying to get out of the military. My dad went into the military trying to get out of poverty, put himself through college, married the college president's daughter, my Mm. mother. Uh, He went to Lane College, married the college president's daughter, my mother, because my dad was no joke. Um, And uh, he helped his whole bunch of relatives, his little brother, um, my uncle Milton get through college, put me and my sister through college working with my mom and law school. Um, And and I'll always say when my father died, the picture that they they put on the funeral program was my father standing in front of Yale Law School the year I, I graduated from Yale Law School with his hands in the air. And for me, when I look at my dad, he helped so many people. I mean, literally almost everybody in my family got out of poverty on this bridge called My Father's Back. And yeah, he started with literally nothing. I say literally nothing. So here I am at 24 years old with a law degree from Yale, number one law school in the world. And it's 1993. And we just had Rodney King uprising in 92 with police brutality on the front pages. And in 94, Bill Clinton and those guys pushed through the crime bill. So here I am, a young Black man with dreadlocks and, and whatever, and they're coming for our generation. And, but I could sue them, and they should have never given me the opportunity to, 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 to get a bar card, because I came after them hard. And you know, so I was woke before folks had alarm clocks. I've been working on criminal justice issues and that kind of stuff, police reform, juvenile justice, for almost 30 years. And as a result, um, you know, I my soul is rested, man. I, You could have run the credits on my family story when I walked off that stage at Yale Law School. I'm a ninth generation American. I'm the first one in my family that was born with all my rights recognized by this government. And we were able to get me across a certain finish line. So I I, I believe in this. I I, I know the genius in our community that's being wasted, that's being left out, that's being locked up, that's being thwarted. And I'll work against anybody or with anybody. And that's Mm -hmm. key against or with anybody to help our people. That's that's where I come from.
0: So I work in corporate America. When I look down at my check every Thursday, it says Disney Worldwide Corporation that oversees ABC and ESPN. So I've watched you walk a balance that I walk. Mm -hmm. And it's the one that says... You got to be our voice at all times. <laughs> you got to keep it real. Uh-huh. So can you describe for me what it has been like for you to someone, for someone that has established their voice in mainstream America without compromising your values?
1: Yeah. Well, listen, uh, it's tough because our culture... Authenticity is the most important thing. When we say keep it real, that's the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth to 19th commandment of blackness. (laughs) Keep it real. Um, And and that's not true of of other cultures. You know, other cultures, you know, to us, they look phony and corny because they prioritize decorum or... Politeness or professionalism, which often to us just looks like y'all lying to each other and and phony as hell. And so you know it's tough. Native Americans and African Americans have a tough time in corporate America because we're too honest. <laughs> we just put our stuff out there. Yeah. Um, and so I always tell people you have to worry about keeping it real dumb. Sometimes you can keep it real stupid because right. <laughs> for real, for real. You know what I mean, like we have to. Um, we have to be wise in how how we position ourselves and say things, and it can be a lonely road. I'm not the only one dealing with it. Almost any African American man anywhere has to deal with it. You have How? What can I say to my boss? What can I say to my customer? What can I say to my landlord? What can I say to my banker that is going to be honest, but at the same time, I got a family I'm trying to feed. I got a business I'm trying to run. I got yes. so we all. That's that's you know uh, uh, that dual consciousness. Going back to W.E.B. Du Bois, that that double consciousness is just a part of blackness. Um, that's why we're a blues people, a jazz people, a gospel people, hip hop people. We can deal with 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 the syncopated. Yes. You know, yes. you know it, it's just we. That's who we are. So, um, but for me, um, it's been difficult because my calling is to the least of these. It's to the addicted, the convicted, the 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 afflicted. It's the people at the bottom, people that Jesus called the least of these. And those people can't get help if only one party cares. Hmm. If only one political party cares, they can't get help. So, for instance, about 80% of all black people are locked up in red states, meaning Republican states, or purple states, meaning Republicans have power there, even if they don't run everything. So, if you say, I want everybody got to come out of prison, I want police reform, I want all these things to happen, but then 80% of your people are at the effects of the Republican Party, that means you're going to have to deal with Republicans. Well, then you can protest, but you can't pass bills. You can demonstrate, right, but you can't liberate nobody. And so I said, look, I am going to work with whoever I need to work with to help our people. Um, and sometimes you wind up getting you know, criticized. But whenever I get criticized on Twitter or whatever, I always say to myself, whoever this is criticizing me on Twitter, I know one thing about them. They are not in federal prison. I mm. have Twitter. In federal prison so that's <laughs> not my constituent right. so I I can sleep well so,
0: so you're the CEO of reform Alliance and yeah. while we get a chance to see you do commentary for multiple networks notably CNN yes it's really honorable that you team with my rock nation family as well as yours Jay-z and Meek Mill yes to transform the prison system, it, in particular, affect mass incarceration. Why is that so
1: very important to you? Because that's the new slavery. That's the new Jim Crow segregation. You don't have to call somebody the N-word if you can call them a felon. Mm. Once you call somebody a felon, you don't have to call them anything else. They wow. can't. Just like in the old days, we were, oh. once you call oh, that's one of those N-words. Now, you can't get a job. You can't get housing where you want to. Can't vote. Can't vote. The whole deal. And so, you know, in some states now, you can vote. We're starting to get some of those rights back. But it's a fight. It's a struggle. And so how can I look at Dr. King and cry every Dr. King's birthday at his speech? How can I look at the slavery movies and say that they should have had a slave, the slaves should have rose up and killed the masters and blah, 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 and then live in a country that has the biggest prison population. Peacetime prison population in the history of the world times two. We're locking up more people in little the United States, and they're locking up in all of China. And I just going about my business when I have a law degree and I have a bar card and I can do something about it. So I decided a long time ago that you know that's going to was going to be my cause. Before it was cool in the '90s. You got, don't forget the Democrats and Republicans were both building prisons. We built yes, more, we built more prisons in California than we built in Texas. Blue California built more prisons than they built in Texas. And so I was fighting both parties. People forget, if you were here, if you just showed up the past couple of years, you can see it one way. But if you've been here for two, almost three decades, both of these parties were mass incarceration parties until 2016. Yes. Even, Even my beloved Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012 didn't run on criminal justice reform. It might have been in his heart. It went on his platform because it was too controversial in 2008 and 2012. It was still too controversial to say yeah. you wanted to see criminal justice reform. The fact that here we are eight years later and both political parties, you know, say that they have an interest in it is huge to me. Now, somebody else who just got here might say, well, that's not good enough and we got to close every prison tomorrow. When I look at the past 30 years, the ass whooping we were taking as a people, from the prison system, to see it turn down to have both parties willing to listen, I'm proud and happy I'm going to keep working with both parties. It took both parties to get us in this ditch. It's going to take both parties to get us out.
0: What's at the top of the agenda at this point for the Reform Alliance? Because you guys have done so much amazing work.
1: Well, listen, you know, I give the, a lot of the credit to Jay-Z. I give a lot of the credit to Meek Mill. I give a lot of the credit to, to Michael Rubin, um, Robert Kraft. Uh, you know, the black billionaire that everybody, you know, blew everybody's mind when he gave the money to erase the debt for the Morehouse graduates. Uh, he's a part of the reform alliance. You know, Clara Wu Tsai, uh, you know, big up in the NBA. Uh, Laura Arnold, uh, Michael Novogratz. I mean, it's a whole bunch of major players that J.C. has pulled together to do something about criminal justice. I'm, I'm proud to be the CEO to help it get, you know, help getting it moving. Um, we just won a huge victory this year in California. Uh, completely changing the uh, probation system so that people can't be on probation for millions and millions of years is gonna be you know, one to two years and that's it. Mm-hmm. So you're not just tri- tricking people. People forget you got 2 million people locked up in prison. That's terrible. But you got 4 million caught up on probation and parole. I mean, it, it, when you're on paper, you, I mean, literally, you run a stop sign, you go back to prison. You're late to a probation meeting, you go back to prison. Your aunt gets sick in the wrong neighborhood, you go to check on her, you go back to prison. Sitting on
0: so, someone else's front
1: porch that has a criminal background, and you go back to prison. I didn't say you get to check it out until you get a discharge. You go back to prison, lose your apartment, lose your kids back in the foster care, lose everything for minor, minor technical crap that's not even a crime, and you're back in prison for two or three years, and so. Uh, when Meek Mill got caught up on that, he he was been on probation for 13 years for some stuff he did when he was 19 years old that wasn't even a real charge. And later on, turned out that even that was made up, and he got exonerated for that in court. So that is when Jay Z and them said, "Uh-uh," and, and he wasn't even with Roc Nation in that time. He was just a, you know a good brother out here doing good, and and uh, and Desiree and all those folks at Roc Nation said, "Uh-uh, nope, no." Nope. And so we launched that whole Free Meek, and you can see that on on, uh, Amazon, uh, Free Meek movement. And when Meek came out, I've seen a lot of celebrities get in trouble. I've never seen a celebrity like Meek Mill. As soon as he got out, he said, it's not about me. It's about all these people that I'm leaving behind who have even worse stories than me. We need to go from Meek to millions. And he (laughs) said, take down hashtag Free Meek and put up hashtag justice reform. And and people were like, what? No, he said, I'm, I'm just getting started. I said, listen, the system tried to put Meek Mill on trial. Now Meek is putting the system on trial. Meek is not taking, and so, so we built a real serious organization. We just won a big victory in, in California. We're knocking on the door for a victory in uh, Michigan and Pennsylvania. Um, we, we got a win in, in Louisiana. We're on a roll now of changing this probation and parole system, which is twice as big as the prison system robbing us of freedom.
0: So he went from being one of those people in the system that
1: you helped influence mm-hmm. it is now a success story. How does that make you feel? I have a lot of survivor's guilt. I go in these prisons, you know, for CNN, you know, I had that show, The Redemption Project. So I went to a lot of prisons. too. Thank you, sir. Um, you, can, you can find it at uh, uh, thedreamcourt.org if you want to see The Redemption Project it's about mm-hmm. people turning their lives around and, and reconciling and grace and forgiveness, you know. Um, but, man, every time I went into one of those prisons, every time I go into one of those prisons, I look around and I'm seeing thousands of Black men, stronger than me, better looking than me, smarter than me, more hustled than me, that nobody's ever going to have to compete against out here. Nobody's ever going to have to compete against for a job, for a promotion, for somebody's hand in marriage, for this contract. They've been taken out of the game. hmm and I know my damn self. I'm not, look I'm, look, I'm bad. But if I had to compete against some of those brothers, I'd be working for them. And I know it. <laughs> yes. and, I, and I'd be happy to do it. Maybe yes. I'd be lucky to do it. I mean, yes. some of those cats, if you know, some of those cats that are locked yes. up are, 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 are Elon Musk level genius. No doubt. You know, I mean, and so I, now I'm walking around here free and getting accolades and stuff like that. It's like, no, 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 no. Look at my brothers. <laughs> look at my brothers. If, you, if y'all give me credit, wait till these guys come out. And anybody that can hear your voice,
0: I just want them to know something. There's a level of success and humility. And I appreciated the way you downplayed everything that you've accomplished and all of the doors that you've opened for other people. But I'm going to expose something to a lot of your fans that they may not know. You are actually an advisor and colleague To Prince, so what did you think as Dave Chappelle introduced him to a new audience? And can Prince actually hoop?
1: Well, look, Prince can hoop. That's well, I mean, he's he can hoop. Um, By the time we were really, really kicking it, though, um, his hip problems were starting to get to him a little bit, and so his favorite thing was was uh, table tennis, ping pong. And he would have you diving across the room, looking like a fool, and he would even move. He would just be here, 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 <laughs> here, 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 and kill you. Um, unbelievable! Uh, uh, I miss the guy every day. Um, when I left the Obama White House under fire, you know, the right wing decided I was too too radical and too black to be in the White House, and so I left the Obama White House under fire. Uh, it was Pres that caught me when I fell, and um, and we spent you know six seven years. I mean. People that people he didn't want anybody to know, but Prince gave a lot of the early money to Black Lives Matter. Uh, Prince gave money to the Harlem Children's Zone. Uh, Prince got Yes We Code started to get you know our kids trained to go to Silicon Valley, and that's that that program is still going strong. Um, so Prince, uh, he really cared about our issues. He cared about our community. He Cared about poor kids. He grew up poor, um, and uh, getting a chance to be around him, he would look at you like a sober person looking at a drunk person. Just (laughs) like, what are y'all talking about? Because he was so clear on what he was trying to do on this earth and this life that he had. And to see us all upset and gossiping and whatever, whatever, he would look at you like a sober person looking at a drunk person. (laughs) And he would would ask one question every time that would always mess me up. He would just say, Van, what do you want? Mm. What do you want? Let's focus on that. What do you want? And you realize that the Black person, you're so busy doing what you don't want. <laughs> Just trying yes. to avoid the jack. Yes. You haven't really thought through what do I really want? And um, uh, I, you know, simple lesson like that, I learned from the guy. And I hope that the next generation takes him seriously. Prince um, was, you, whoever your favorite artist is, they will name Prince. At least in the top three. Whoever your favorite artist if they are true artists, Ask them who their favorite artist is. Prince will be number one, two, or three. Guaranteed.
0: I agree. And well said, and a terrific artist, writer. He played instruments. He performed. Like my entire life, I remember the who's the best between Prince and Michael Jackson.
1: Jackson." (laughs) (laughs) That
0: was a real thing, right?
1: Now, and, and what I always say, like I love, I, I was a Michael Jackson fan as well, never met Michael. Um, but um what I always will to just point out is that when Prince can be his own band. Okay, so it's by not the just, way,
0: just say, say that again when Prince can what?
1: Be his own band. <laughs> when he can play the drums better than his own drummer, and his drummer is the best in the world. When he can play the guitar better than his own guitarist, and his guitarist is the best player in the world. Then at a certain point you just have to bow out and say, "Listen, it, it, the vote as a vocalist, maybe Michael gets him. Maybe even as a dancer. But then you're out of moves because <laughs> as a songwriter, as a drummer, as a guitarist, as this, as that, as the other thing. There's no even competition. You know, you've never seen somebody do. it. I saw Prince one time. Uh-oh. He was trying to show a new keyboardist. You know. Uh, he, was, he was he was observing. He was like leaning over the back. You know, he, he's looking directly now at his keyboard. His keyboard is trying to play his music, and Prince is trying to explain to him how he really wants it played. And the keyboard is just trying. I listen to this keyboard. This keyboard is, is blowing my mind. I mean, it sounds beyond perfect. I mean, it's. I mean, God would be crying. Listen to this keyboard. <laughs> Prince is not feeling it, and he's trying to explain to him. He's like, he's finally. Prince says, "Hold on a second. Reaches over the keyboard and plays it backwards. Wow. Okay. He's reaching over the keyboard and playing it literally backwards better than the dude. And yeah. then the guy, the guy goes, oh, now I understand what you want. And then he can match him. This dude was doing his very, very best, had people like Verclint, And Prince could beat him from the other side of the keyboard, man. I mean if this guy, I mean I can tell you stories about Prince. I mean look, this dude, so look, I love Michael Jackson, no comparison. Why? No, no comparison? comparison? Oh, Michael I'm, Jackson, Prince, no comparison. Because Michael Michael could maybe outdance him and maybe out vocalize him. He couldn't out him. And then he, can Michael play the drums? No. Can Michael play the keyboard? So you run out of categories for Michael so quickly that there's all these other categories that Prince did. I mean, what, I mean, look, you know, yell at me on Twitter if you want to. I'm saying that for, as far as a complete athlete, you've never had a complete athlete the way you saw it with Prince. Ever, not before, not after. Look, no equal, no sequel, Prince Rodgers Nelson.
0: And before I let you get out of here, I do a segment called Gone in 60 Seconds, which is a rapid-fire segment for hmm. intellects like yourself. Hmm. So please get ready and ask her as fast as possible. First and foremost, who or she is the next Van Jones that we should be looking out for?
1: Demetria Obalor. She is bad. I mean, she's she's, she's young, African-American. She's got an amazing personality. She's smart about culture. Film, which I can't do, and also great on politics. She's photogenic. Demetria Ovalor. she she might be the next Oprah. She's bad.
0: I've asked you about me, Jay Z and Prince, so I know you love music.
1: Next versus battle that you like to see. I don't know, but it's got to be. I want to see it in the gospel category. I want to see. Mm-hmm. I want to see some gospel choirs go at it. Or I want to see Kirk Franklin versus somebody. Yes. I want to see it. Move it! Look, we've done the R&B, we've done the hip hop, yes. but don't forget gospel, don't forget reggae, don't we got other categories, man?
0: Yes, I like it. So, in a couple of years, I may be bald, but not just yet. So, who are your top three bald
1: head warriors? You'll be up and coming. I don't really know. I mean, look, that's 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 an unfair question because um, you know I'm chase tra- I'm still trying to chase down Jordan. You know, Jordan was the one that made it. <laughs> He was the one that made it all right to be to be to break out the razor every morning. Um, I'm not looking behind me. I don't know who's coming up behind me. I'm still trying to catch Jordan.
0: The number one thing you want to see from Joe Biden?
1: More African Americans and especially more African American men. I think he's going to get some women in there. He's already got Simone in there. He's already got a few in there. But we got to get more African American men in there. Period.
0: I agree. I agree. All right. I appreciate you, my brother. Thanks Thank for you, the. Brother. Love. That's, I'll chat with you soon. All right. Last call. This week's last call is about bravery. Think about this most of the liberties and freedoms we enjoy today came from the bravery of others. Some of those brave individuals were so brave that they knew it could result in harm to them their loved ones or even in their own death like our special guest van jones it's important to be brave and stand up for the voiceless or those in difficult situations when you stand up for others that can't stand up for themselves it shows you are strong you have compassion and you have a deep basic meaning of human rights You are responsible, and also you can't stand to watch people being ill treated. In situations of injustice, there are two types of people the brave and the bystander. Let me rewind the tape. The brave and the bystander. You gotta catch what I'm putting down. And I get it, being brave is hard, it's scary. And oftentimes, it can actually be isolated. But I want to encourage us to not be a bystander. When you notice a problem, pay attention. Realize there is no time to waste and that the situation is urgent. Assume personal responsibility to make the situation better. Find out how you can help, then aggressively take action and remember that bravery is not the lack of fear but the ability to move forward in spite of fear i'm jalen rose the renaissance man see you next week